You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Ravens. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire, and it's another Wednesday, so that means Crossover Wednesday is back. Brad Motter of Locked On Rams joins us, and this is going to be a very good game. It's going to be a great primetime game, and Starting off, let's talk about some key matchups. The Rams defense has been stingy as of late, and Baltimore's offense, as we all know, has been almost unstoppable as of late. What are some of the key matchups that you are finding most interesting coming into this game? You know, I have to choose the Ravens offense and the Ravens offensive line versus that Rams defense and the Rams defensive line. Aaron Donald, obviously the big boy on that defensive line, one of the best defensive players, if not the best defensive player in the whole NFL The Ravens were supposed to have some problems up front in terms of the left guard position, the center position, two positions where there was some uncertainty coming into the year. But the way this Ravens offensive line has performed protecting Lamar Jackson throughout the entire season, Bradley Bozeman has played well at the left guard position for what he was given. Matt Skouras had a bounce back year from a pretty down year in 2018. Ronnie Stanley, the Ravens left tackle, has emerged as one of the premier pass protectors in the NFL, and Marshall Yonda is a future Hall of Famer in most Ravens fans' eyes, if not league eyes as well. Orlando Brown Jr. solidifies the right tackle position after some rotating door players like James Hurst coming in and not doing as well as hoped, but Orlando Brown Jr. in his second year out of Oklahoma has been the guy for them. But, I mean, on the edge, the Rams have Dante Fowler. Clay Matthews has been performing well. And, I mean, you can't discount the IQ of Eric Weddle. Ravens fans know it well. He'll get his guys lined up in position, ready to play. Being on the Ravens team for a few years, he knows some Ravens tricks and some Ravens inside information. So I'd be on the lookout for Eric Weddle as well. So that may be Lamar Jackson versus Eric Weddle mind game that the Ravens have going on. But Ravens fans here, Brad, love Eric Weddle. How has he been doing in Los Angeles? Man, you talk about Eric Weddle and what he's done out here. It's been a direct impact for him uh, at the safety position. And you talked about the leader and getting people lined up. He has been huge with the addition of Jalen Ramsey. Uh, When Ramsey first got here, he basically said, whatever Eric Weddle tells me, I'm going to do, uh, which, you know, means a lot coming from that guy who definitely has a very confidence in his own playing style. So you love the leadership that he's brought. But the one interesting thing is during the offseason, Eric Weddle said he's not going to share information with the Rams when this matchup comes. I don't know if he's changed his mind, if he's just saying that to the media and he's going to uh, tell his boys what is going on over there in Baltimore and what he knows from the past. But he kind of said, hey, we're going to have to do it on our own just like I was a player of the Rams for a long time. So we'll see if that changes at all this week. But it's interesting. He has been much welcomed out here. Obviously, you know out there in Baltimore how much he was loved. And uh, he has jumped right in. And we're going to talk a little bit more because we've got uh, some players on that side of the ball uh, with the Ravens that used to be here with the Rams. And and it is an interesting matchup. But it is funny. You talk about your O-line versus our D-line. I think that is the big concern for the Rams fans coming into this is our O-line. And you talked about a revolving door at some of those positions and and finally, you know, finding uh, cohesiveness that's working. Uh, the Rams, that's the big thing for us as well. We just played uh, last week and our O-line played amazing. Jared Goff only had one pressure, and I think that's something that is going to be key again in this matchup. And that was a question uh, going back to you about that offensive line. It's tough to tell how they're playing because 
for Lamar, he just runs around like crazy and can always create a play and extend a play. So it sounds like they've played pretty decent. And this matchup is going to be interesting on both sides when you look at it. Uh, the defensive front. Tell me a little bit more about the Ravens' D front and how uh, they've been playing as of late because the offense has been the story. And I'm curious to hear how that D front has been playing and, and what this O-line for the Rams is going to be going up against. Well, the Ravens have one of their premier defensive tackles, Michael Pierce. He was out with an ankle injury last week. John Harbaugh said he has a chance to suit up on Monday night against the Rams, but he's very vague with injuries unless they're out for the season. Then he just declares them out and they're done. With Michael Pierce, I really don't expect him to play in this game. The Ravens went out to counter that and sign two big defensive linemen to really fill that void. Dama Tapeco, a former Cincinnati Bengals player who is a guy who can rush the passer a bit. And then Justin Ellis, formerly of the Oakland Raiders, was cut because the Raiders just simply didn't have room for him on their roster when he got injured. He is now fully healthy. He's 6'2", 350 pounds, can eat up <laughs> offensive linemen. He's a big boy. His nickname is actually Jelly. So he gets in there. He stops the run. He actually made a tackle 23 yards down the field last week against the Texans. Wow. High motor guy. These are the guys that the Ravens brought in to really solidify their defense. After that week four debacle where the Cleveland Browns whooped the Baltimore Ravens 40 to 25, the Ravens back-to-back -back weeks against the Chiefs and the Browns in weeks three and four, allowing over 500 yards of total offense to those offenses. And when you talk about the Ravens and their history, I mean, you look at Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, Jared Johnson, all these high-profile defensive players, high-octane defenses, a dominant defense. And that's not what the Ravens had over the first four weeks of the NFL season. Outlier there is the Miami game. What the Ravens did is they brought in new guys. They brought in Josh Bynes and LJ Fort, who have contributed well. I mentioned Pecco and Ellis, guys on the defensive front. Brandon Williams was out for week four against Cleveland, where they surrendered a lot of rushing yards to Nick Chubb. Him being in the lineup is imperative for the Ravens to have a successful time stopping the run. Todd Gurley is a different animal in himself when the Rams decide to use him the right way. There have been a little bit of usage concerns with Gurley over the last year or so, injury concerns, load management, whatever you want to call it. But with Brandon Williams in the game, the Ravens are a significantly better run-stopping team. And he's played maybe the best football of his career this season when he is in and healthy. He missed one game with a knee injury, but that seemed to be a fluke injury. He's fully healthy now. In terms of pressures, the Ravens entered Week 11 against the Texans, only having 16 sacks, which ranked 29th in the entire league. Well, they got seven against Deshaun Watson and A.J. McCarron in that Texans offense. Matthew Judon put on a clinic. Him on the outside, he can do anything. He can rush the passer, stop the run, set the edge. Jalen Ferguson is a rookie out of Louisiana State who's performed exceptionally, and Tyus Bowser has come on as of late, too. And those are the only outside linebackers on the Ravens roster. They're only rolling with three right now. So that's going to be a big point in this game for the Ravens to establish that pass rush once again, get Jared Goff uncomfortable in that pocket, and stop Todd Gurley with the run. But speaking of Gurley, how has he been used this season? Oh, man. Well, finally, he is being used. And uh, last week was the first time that he got over 20 touches uh, when it comes from handing the ball to him and letting him just go to work. Uh, he had 25 carries, I believe, and it was about time uh, Rams fans have been begging for it, pleading for it, wanting to see more from the run game, wanting to see Sean McVay mix it up a little bit. Uh, obviously, we had Brandon Cooks, who's been out the past couple games. He will be most likely active for this game on Monday night. But Robert Woods was a late scratch in that game. So Sean McVay went up to Todd Gurley a few minutes before the game and said, hey, you're going to be toting the rock a lot this game. Uh, he welcomed that. He said that he's healthy. 
uh, and he feels great the, the day after the game. So that's a great sign for Rams fans. And, and Sean McVay mentioned maybe sticking to that a little bit more, allowing um, to go back to some of those zone runs. And you saw us go with the 12 personnel, two tight ends, something that we rarely did anything. I think we're at like 90-something percent last year of 11 personnel. So McVay is finally adapting a little bit. It looks like this whole load management that you mentioned, uh, we've been begging for him to kind of, you know, take the foot off the brakes and start hitting the gas pedal a little bit with Todd Gurley. We're hoping that continues because Jared Goff struggled a little bit. He was the best in play action or at least one of the best in play action last year. He is near the bottom of the league this year. But that's a lot due to the fact of no one's really believing they're going to be running the ball. So uh, we look for them to continue that. They had 34 rushes uh, last game versus the Bears. And uh, sounds like, you know, with trying to keep Lamar and that hot offense off the field, that you are going to want to work the ground game a little bit, keep your defense on the sideline as much as possible. So we hope that McVay will kind of continue this game plan of handing the ball off to Todd Gurley. We also have Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson, the rookie that we got in the third round. We traded up to go get. So we've got some depth at running back. Hopefully uh, we can rotate those guys in. When we get back, Brad and I are going to be talking about how Marcus Peters has been doing, how Kenny Young has been doing, getting into more of a game preview between the Rams and the Ravens. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. But before we do that... Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, I've got a special deal for our listeners. This is BlueChew.com. and get your first shipment free. When you use our special promo code LOCKEDONS, just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code LOCKEDONS, to try it for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Welcome back to the second segment of this crossover Wednesday Locked on Ravens episode with Locked on Rams. Kevin Oshiker is still with you here with Brad Motter. And like we said, we're going to talk about Marcus Peters and Kenny Young. You talked about this defense early in the season. They've really tightened up and they've really tightened up since Marcus Peters has joined. And he's been really impressive. And as Rams fans, um, we had a love-hate relationship with Marcus Peters. uh, And even at some point, we loved to hate him. Uh, But he had really been our best cornerback all year before he was traded. But at the end of the day, we realized if you're not going to extend him, uh, start to move on and look at the process, especially uh, when we had a chance to go uh, landing Jalen Ramsey. But how important has he been to what you guys have been doing defensively as of late? And how much do you think he's looking forward to coming back out to L.A. and playing his old team? I think extremely to both questions. Marcus Peters is a guy who really doesn't stay quiet, speaks his mind, is a big trash talker. And we saw that last week against the Houston Texans. DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best trash talking receivers in the game. And Marcus Peters matched his energy. He actually locked down DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins was placed on Jimmy Smith for the first quarter or so of the game. Had a few nice plays, was getting first down after first down. Peters then switched on to him, and he did a phenomenal job batting down passes, getting into Hopkins' head. Peters has been an extremely valuable addition to 
this team ever since he was acquired in week seven. Since joining the Ravens, I mean, through week seven to 10, not including that Texans game, Marcus Peters had the best grade among the cornerbacks in the NFL, among any cornerback in the NFL with a minimum of 50 snaps. He has two pick sixes already. He made his presence felt in his first game against Seattle, where he returned a Russell Wilson pass for a touchdown. And I mean, he's a smart guy, too. People don't give enough credit to how much football IQ Marcus Peters has on that Russell Wilson pick six that he ended up having. He said that he saw that exact look, that exact play two weeks prior when he was still with the Rams and he gave up a first down on that play. He saw the same read two weeks later with Baltimore, made a jump on the ball. And Marcus Peters is a guy who's a hit or miss guy. He's aggressive. He's going to go after the ball. He's a sound tackler as well. But what Marcus Peters brings to this team is another starting quality level cornerback. And when he's at his best, he's a Pro Bowl level player. We saw that in Kansas City, had some flashes in Los Angeles. And now with him rotating in with Marlon Humphrey, who's one of the best, Jimmy Smith, who's just getting into his own after coming back from an MCL sprain, Brandon Carr, who's kind of moving around the field now. Carr's been playing some safety, some dime linebacker. With the addition of Marcus Peters, the Ravens have their three cornerback rotation back that they had last year with Smith, Humphrey, and Carr. They like to rotate their cornerbacks in and out of the game so they remain fresh for the fourth quarter so that when receivers maybe have been run down or they're kind of cold on the sideline because the Ravens offense has held the ball for so long and the defense is tired, well, the Ravens defense is fresh and their legs are fresh and they're able to kind of maneuver get good first steps, press at the line. Marcus Peters is a very aggressive cornerback, and he's been extremely valuable for this Ravens defense, and it showed on the stat sheet. But I do want to ask you, Brad, about Kenny Young. He was the one who was traded for Marcus Peters, along with a fifth-round pick. Kenny Young, at the time, was in John Harbaugh's doghouse, didn't really live up to his potential in Baltimore. He's a good coverage guy, but didn't really show it on the field. Ended up starting a few games for the Ravens early in the season, but then lost that job. How's Kenny Young been faring in Los Angeles? You know what? Uh, Kenny Young's probably just enjoying California. We haven't seen much of him as far as on the field. Uh, that linebacker group was uh, a big question mark for us coming into the season. Uh, we've had guys like Troy Reader step in, but the Rams has also kind of gone to more of a three safety look. You're seeing a lot more reps uh, for Taylor Rapp and Marquise Christian, uh, and that's kind of taking away some of those linebacker uh, snaps that are available. So we haven't seen much from him yet. Obviously, he may be still be kind of acclimating into this defense, but they're playing hot right now, so I don't think they're trying to really mess with things too much. And, you know, just to kind of go back to that Marcus Peters comment, and you talked about him with that pick six with Russell Wilson. Uh, it was last year that Russell Wilson, I think, threw three touchdowns or two touchdowns his way. Uh, he is a big risk reward. But, man, he has really played for you guys. And as you talked about those pro football focus numbers, he was, and I mentioned, he was one of the better corners for the Rams before he was traded away. But he's got three pick sixes on the year, one with us, two with you guys. Uh, so you can't knock him too much because the production is still there. Even when it is risk-reward, I am sure he is probably licking his chops. He's been going up against Jared Goff uh, in practice for a while. Now he gets to uh, face off against him in a real game. And his hero it really is Cooper Cup. If you if you go back to any of the highlights, uh, we had a good time kind of following his love for Cooper Cup, yelling on the sidelines and in an interview during this offseason while he was still a Ram. He was asked, who is the toughest matchup on the wide receivers for the Rams? And he had said Cooper Cup. I'm sure he is going to get his chance against Cooper Cup. And that's going to be a fun one to watch uh, as those two battle it out. Uh, you know, we know the big names, you know, with Lamar and Ingram and Edwards on the offense, who are a couple guys, uh, whether it's offense or defense. You mentioned a couple guys already on the defense side, but that we should know about coming into this matchup. 
Definitely Mark Andrews. The Ravens have their three tight ends, followed by Patrick Ricard, who is a two-way player, a fullback, and a defensive tackle. I'll get into Ricard in a second. But Mark Andrews is a guy who, when he is on the field, he is the Ravens' best receiving threat. This year, he has 48 receptions on 70 targets for 598 yards and six touchdowns. He's been a guy who can go up, get those contested balls when Lamar Jackson maybe overthrows him a little bit or maybe underthrows him. Mark Andrews will go get those balls. He has some run after the catch ability as well. And speaking of run after the catch, I mean, if you let Marquise Brown get into the open field with the ball mm-hmm. up in space, he's gone. There's no way you catch him. Marquise Brown has been one of Lamar Jackson's favorite targets as well. The two grew up in the same county in Florida. They're very good friends. And it's shown on the stat sheet, 30 receptions for 477 yards and four touchdowns in just eight games. Brown hasn't been fully healthy all year. He was recovering from a foot injury that he suffered while he was still at Oklahoma. And then now he has a little ankle issue, but he's been healthy enough to play. And Marquise said in an interview, he's been only 70% healthy this entire season. He's only at 70% speed right now. When he's at 100% speed, I don't even know what that looks like, but I'm excited to find out. So I think that's a next season thing just because, you know, the grueling grind of an NFL season probably won't get up to 100% right now. But Marquise Brown is another guy who you have to look out for. And I mentioned those Ravens three tight ends. I mentioned Andrews, but also be on the lookout for Nick Boyle and Hayden Hurst. Boyle's one of the best blocking tight ends in the entire league. It's why the Ravens rushing attack has been so good. Boyle can pull. He's a good guy in space. He's able to chop block people, able to get into his stance quickly and push up at the point of attack. He's a very good blocker, but has also come into his own as a receiver. He got his first NFL touchdown in a game against the New England Patriots. 31 targets, 23 receptions for 270 yards. Also, Hayden Hurst, the first-round pick out of South Carolina. The first-round pick before Lamar Jackson. The Ravens had two first-round picks that year. One was Hayden Hurst, the other Lamar Jackson. Hurst is a guy who has very good hands. He's a guy who if he just has stick him on those hands, it looks like. Whenever he goes and catches that ball, it does not go out of the hands. The Ravens use their three tight end looks to confuse defenses. They can run out of it. They can pass out of it. They'll do play action stuff. I mean, Lamar Jackson is a special athlete in his own. The read option plays. They pride themselves on having their tight end group sound, and that's where Patrick Ricard comes in. He's a fullback who can also line up as a tight end, but he can also play defensive tackle. As a player on offense, Patrick Ricard only has seven receptions for 45 yards and one touchdown, but he also plays that defensive role very well. He had a forced fumble against the Cincinnati Bengals two weeks ago. He has nine total tackles and one sack, but I mentioned that one sack was a strip sack. So Ricard is a guy who you put in the middle of that offense. You let him go block someone. On a play against the Texans last week, he skillfully evaded a Texans defender on a reception, then carried five guys with him for like six yards. I think that he's going to have a big impact on this game. You mentioned Cooper Cup, and you mentioned Brandon Cooks. Josh Reynolds is another guy. How does this Rams tight end group look? Because I mentioned the Ravens pride in their tight ends. Are the Rams the same way? Yeah, you know, it's been an up and down season for the tight ends. We obviously we gave an extension to Tyler Higby, gave him some money. And then it seems like Gerald Everett's kind of been the go to guy as far as the receiving. Uh, Tyler Higby's also been banged up in the past few weeks, and it's been a struggle just to get everyone healthy and get going. Uh, We definitely have seen the tight ends involved a lot more in the offense this year than we did last year. And we almost assume that with the way that we are continuing to change things, we did a lot of two tight end sets, whether that was keeping those guys in blocking and trying to protect Jared Goff because he's been under a lot of pressure with this O-line that, you know, consists of two rookies, a guy we just got 
a few weeks ago in the trade from Cleveland and a right guard that is now our starting center. So we've, you know, we've got a, a interesting bunch up front blocking. Uh, so we're kind of using these tight ends now as blocking almost more than receiving, but you should see them in the mix a little bit. But that has been a question mark as Sean McVay coming from uh, the days back in Washington really utilized the tight end his first couple of years here. Not so much this year is kind of going a little bit more, but um, it will be interesting to see how Tyler Higby is going to be feeling and if we're going to get him fully in the game and, and good to go. Uh, but you should see Gerald Everett be some sort of a target. Um, you know, if we don't get Robert Woods back, with it's a personal reason for him. So we're not really sure what's going on with him or when he shall return. Uh, but if not, you may see some more targets going to Gerald Everett. When we get back for our final segment, we're going to be talking with Brad about more Ravens at Rams talk. So stay tuned for that. But before we do that, Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on during checkout. Listening on the go? If you can't visit Away right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at lockedonpodcast.com slash offers. Also, during Thanksgiving week, my bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, congratulations to you as well. My bookie will give you all your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's all risk, no gravy. Just log on to mybookie.a-g and make your first deposit with promo code Locked On, and mybookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll, and that's on top of the risk-free bet. Make sure you do your part to support your team this season. To hop on the gravy train and get on the action with mybookie, you play, you win, and you get paid. Welcome back to the final segment of this Locked on Ravens episode, this crossover Wednesday episode with Brad Motter of Locked on Rams. We're here to talk more Ravens at Rams football. It's going to be a good one. The Rams just hosted Sunday night football here with the Chicago Bears in town. And there were a lot of Chicago Bears fans here. The Bears travel really well. We've seen visitor fans kind of take over the Coliseum. Well, I don't want to say take over because I think the Rams have kind of cemented themselves as far as at least owning their own stadium. But there still is a big presence from outside fans. Uh, we saw the Niners come in with a big group. We saw the Packers, the Bears. My question is, do the Ravens travel well like that? And what are your expectations for uh, your fans coming out to L.A. and, you know, kind of getting into this game? Do you expect to see a good amount of Ravens fans in the crowd on Monday night? Definitely a homer here. And I think that the Ravens fans are the best in the NFL. And, you know, my plea here for Ravens Nation is that if you are in the Los Angeles area or if you just want an impromptu vacation, to the Los Angeles area over the weekend. <laughs> I plead you to go to this game because the Coliseum is, you know, first of all, a great stadium to go to. I've heard great things about it. But second of all, the way that the Ravens have traveled this season, it's been different from other seasons. And that also has to do with the fact that, you know, you saw in Cincinnati that, you know, the Louisville fans came out for Lamar Jackson. And it might be a homecoming of sorts for some players, but when you look at the Los Angeles area, I think that if there's a Ravens fan in that area, they won't miss the fact and they won't miss the opportunity to go see Lamar Jackson play because th there's just something that's so electrifying, so unique about him, both his talent with his arm, with his legs. If you have the opportunity to go and see that live, you have to take it up. And the way that the Ravens fans have been at the at M&T Bank Stadium this year has been absolutely insane. It's part of the reason the Ravens are winning games is because their fans get into the game, get loud, get behind their team. And the Ravens 
relish that. They get behind that as well. So in terms of if this game they're going to see a lot of traveling Ravens fans, I think it all depends on who's out there in that Los Angeles area. Being on a Monday, it might be a little bit more difficult for Ravens fans to get in there. But I still expect a decently good Ravens turnout in there, especially because I think we're starting to get more and more, I'll say, bandwagon Ravens fans, which if you're here now, you're here. But I hope that some of the Old Town Joe Flacco, Kyle Bowler Ravens fans will get in there, be rewarded for what they've witnessed and what we've all gone through over the last few years, good and bad, and see Lamar Jackson play some football. You mentioned the 49ers fans coming in. You mentioned all these other fans coming in. Usually, what's around the percentage of Rams fans versus uh, other opposing teams fans? Because we've, we've seen the Chargers, and that's a debacle in itself. I hope the Rams are a little <laughs> better than that. Yeah, the Rams, I think, are still sitting right around that 60-40. But it's weird when you're when you're used to going to a sporting event and you're used to seeing almost 80, 90 percent of your fan base and you start to see now 40, 50 kind of heading that direction. It, it does start to seem a little overwhelming and you feel like every other jersey you're seeing is the opponent one. I can't speak to it too greatly because I just got some tickets to the last game and I sat on the away side. So I was surrounded by Bears fans, but that makes sense right behind the bench. Uh, a big transplant city out here in Los Angeles. But I still think that we're sitting around that 60%. And once we get into the new stadium, I think it's going to only get uh, even stronger for the Rams as they continue to kind of hopefully put together some winning seasons. You talked about the Coliseum. They've done a lot of renovations there because – uh, it's a cool, nostalgic stadium, but it used to be kind of a dump. I mean, the, the seats really were terrible. Uh, everything about it, the, the atmosphere around it wasn't very great, but they're putting a ton of money, and a lot of that is the Rams' money that they've been uh, there for the past couple of years, but they've renovated it. And right now, and I'm not just speaking to Ravens fans, but uh, if you're in the Los Angeles area and you're a Rams fan, we're going to need your support as we're talking about this game and, and how uh, that can play to an advantage in a game like this on a primetime game. Tickets are $30 to get in. And obviously, there's a couple fees along the way with that, but uh, you're looking at a get-in price around 30 bucks. So if you're available and around, uh, I am definitely looking into it. I went to last week's game, so I don't know if I can pull it back-to-back weeks, but uh, my voice is finally coming back to me here. But uh, it should be a good one. I want to talk really quick, and we, we don't give enough love to the special teams from here and there, but uh, I do want to talk about your special teams because your punter has only punted the ball 21 times this season, which is just blowing my mind. He's on pace for 37 punts, which would be – the second fewest in NFL history. He's got an opportunity, obviously, to just go ahead and break that record. But um, the Ravens have been really aggressive on fourth down. I think I saw something that they're uh, it was in, in the double digits where they're like 13 of 15 or 17 of 19 or something. They have a great success rate. Uh, is it the you know the flexibility of Lamar that makes them go into this? And and do you think that will play a factor in this game on Monday night? You know, with John Harbaugh, you really never know. And the fact that the Ravens go for it so much on fourth down has a little bit to do with the dynamics of Lamar Jackson, but it has to do with the fact that John Harbaugh believes in his team. I don't know, Brad, if you've seen the viral clip of Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh talking in that Week 7 game against Seattle where John Harbaugh asked Lamar Jackson, do you want to go for it? And he said, yeah, hell yeah, let's go for it, coach. And <laughs> he, he, he rushed in for a seven-yard touchdown. That's the belief that coaches need to really get in their team. They need to show that love and that belief in order to get the players to the level of, all right, coach believes in us. Now we can go out and do it because we believe in ourselves too. And when the Ravens go forward on fourth down, if it's a fourth and two, a fourth and four, regardless of the situation, John Harbaugh has shown that he's going to play the analytics. He's going to play the percentages. He's going to play to the strengths of his team. And he's going to play to the guys that he has on his team, the belief that he has in those guys. 
Lamar Jackson has done a phenomenal job in those pressure situations, getting the ball over the first down marker, whether it be with a pass, with a run, the design run, whatever it was. The Ravens have done a good job. They missed a fourth down conversion on a fake field goal last week. The play design was a little iffy. Mark Andrews got stopped for a negative two-yard loss on a pitch. But that's really a fluke in the way that the Ravens go for it on fourth downs. They'll line it up. They'll pound it down your throat. They'll do whatever it takes to get that first down. And they've been very successful at it. It was a little bit of a shock earlier in the year to see them go for it so much on fourth down, especially in their own territory. But now you just never know because the Ravens have the offense and the offensive firepower to do it. So in terms of the game this week, I think that it's never out of the question. You can never discount a fourth down conversion or a fourth down attempt with John Harbaugh. But you also have to keep in mind, the Ravens have... One of the best, if not the best kicker of all time in Justin Tucker. He missed his first field goal of the season last week, but he's been doing it for so many years for this team, coming in as a rookie in 2012 and helping the Ravens win the Super Bowl that year. I mean, overall, he has a 90.5 field goal percentage and 99.3 extra point percentage. That is just something you can't even teach. Justin Tucker has been a phenomenal yeah. player for years, so the Ravens don't even have to go for it on fourth down in some of these situations. They can put it in the powerful leg of Justin Tucker to go and get them three points. But what the Ravens have learned over the past few years is they've kind of struggled in the red zone and really going for three points time in and time out has really come back to bite them later in games. John Harbaugh has seen it too many times over to let that happen again this season, especially when they're in the midst of such a special run. They're going to go for it. They're going to go for the kill. As we've seen with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense beating Deshaun Watson, beating Tom Brady, beating Russell Wilson, it hasn't been by three points or seven points. It's been by right. a lot of points. Yeah. And that's because the Ravens will go for it on fourth down and say, we're not going to lie down and get these three points and sacrifice the other four. We're going to go for it and go all for nothing. And that's why the Ravens have been so successful on offense and why they have one of the best scoring offenses in the league this year. But let's stick with special teams for a minute, Brad, and talk about Greg the leg. He hasn't had... I wouldn't say a ton of opportunities this year, but he's still been, aside from that Seattle debacle, Mr. Automatic in some sorts. Has he been doing Greg the Leg things this year? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned other than that miss in Seattle, you know, Greg Zerline has been just as reliable as he's been in the past few years. And that's really what makes it kind of exciting in a weird, uh, nerdy football stance from from our end is this is this is a fun matchup across the board because even the special teams unit, as you're looking at the two kickers, are really exciting. Two of the best uh, punters as well. I mean, it, when you punt uh, and Johnny Hecker in this game. So hopefully, you know, that is a good matchup. And it comes down in certain games that could be close, comes down to uh, the special teams. And you're talking about, you know, outscoring scoring some of those opponents and and the Rams defense really are kind of toting in coming into this as far as you know really a stronger defense in the past you know few weeks but if you look at the Rams six wins they're against teams offensively ranked 16th 14th 25th 19th 30th and 28th their four losses are against opponents that have offenses ranking 7th 8th 2nd 24 the Ravens rank first so this is going to be a uh, a reality check for this defense to see if they can hold that dynamic offense that you just talked about, you know, winning big in the last handful of games, if they can kind of make that happen. So uh, we'll kind of cut to the chase here and wrap this thing up with some predictions. How do you think this thing plays out on Monday night? Give me a score if you feel comfortable with it. And how do you think it's going to go? You know, I've been predicting these Ravens games close all season, but. I don't know if I can do it this week, but I might have to because the Rams defense provides such a formidable opponent. And Jared Goff has been struggling in recent weeks. And the way the Ravens defense has been playing, 
I just don't see a way that the Ravens will give this game away if they get the lead early. And that's how it's been going for the Ravens. They've scored on almost all of their opening drives this year. And people have been coming up with theories that it's just because of how shocked defenses are about how fast Lamar Jackson is in person. <laughs> and, you know, you can see him on tape and prepare for him in practice and do all you can do. But when he's actually on the field with you, it's a whole different animal. And I think that's going to be the biggest factor here. I think with the combination of Lamar Jackson's speed and the way that the Ravens have been playing and they're on this hot streak coming into Monday night, trying to prove something yet again, John Harbaugh has used the term stacking statements. And I think it's going to be another statement stacked here on Monday night with another crowd in hand to see the magic of Lamar Jackson. I think I'm going to give this one a 34 to 24 win for the Ravens. What about you? Yeah, and you know what? If you asked me this a week ago, I probably would have had a completely different answer. But there was some, you know, uh, encouraging things that we saw versus the Bears on that O-line. Uh, McVay's ability to kind of change things up a little bit and, and uh, attack a defense uh, differently than we've seen all year. And you kind of expect with a really good team like this coming in that they're going to be focused on continuing that moving forward, trying to control the ball uh, trying to you know keep your defense on the field and not let Lamar have as many possessions uh, as he's had in the past couple weeks. So I'm hoping that this thing ends up being a little bit more of a defensive battle under the lights. We'll see how uh, you know he can perform. He's done, he's shown before that it really doesn't matter the stage that he can get out there, throw the ball around, run the ball around, do anything really he needs to do to kind of move that offense. But uh, the way that the Rams defense is playing, uh, you know, I think our offense is going to have to score some more points than they did last week. They put up 17. Um, I still think this thing's going to be close. I have it as a 23 to 20 Rams win. I think there's a lot of momentum kind of building in that building for the Rams. And this would be a big statement for this defense to come down and slow down Lamar Jackson. If you guys go out and put up 35 points, I think you win the ball game. I don't know if our offense can keep pace with that. So my hope really is that the Rams can come out get a couple turnovers, force some punts, which is almost unheard of for the Ravens this year, and really put up a few points on the other side and control the clock in this one. Let's not race back and forth and try to, uh, you always hear that in basketball, let's not go up and down the floor uh, with teams that can run. Let's try to control this game and set up some offense, and I think that's really what the Rams have to do. So I got it as a 23-20 Rams win. You've heard our predictions, you've heard our stances, and hopefully we just have a good game here. But that's all I have for you today. Thanks to Brad for coming on the show. Tomorrow we're going to be getting into some more Ravens talk and a mini preview of this Ravens at Rams game. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.